Welcome to hell. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Jersey Shore Musicians Podcast. I'm Matt. That's Jeff. And tonight, we have my favorite photographer, Mr. Jeff Crespi. Yeah, all right. Thanks for coming on, bud. Thank you for having me. How you doing tonight? Good? I'm good. I'm good. Awesome, awesome. Raring to go. Nice. Staying well, everybody well, no problem. Everybody's good, Good. thank God. You know, thank God we're all doing our thing, you know. Thank God for Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to keep busy during a crazy time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. So we all know you because we've all worked with you at shows uh, that we've played on the Jersey Shore. I would like to know what got you into photography? So basically, all my life, I've always been somebody that likes to document things. So um, photography had nothing to do with it. I was basically just looking for something to do with my kid. And um, I'm a huge music fan. But I never really went to a lot of live shows in my day. Concerts, a few, some arena shows. I was only at the Garden once in my life, you know, as a teenager. Um, I was a club boy. Kind of dance clubs, had the whole thing, parachute pants. Yeah, I I was the dance boy, you know. But um, so about 15 years ago, (laughs) um, Kiss just happened to be playing PNC Bank Art Center. And my son was a seven-year-old kid just walking around the house listening to my CDs. And Kiss was just one of the CDs that he was listening to. Psycho Circus, actually. Oh, nice, nice. And so he was this little kid just with the big headphones singing aloud in the backseat of the car to Kiss Psycho Circus. That's pretty awesome. Kiss just happened to be playing PNC that summer. I, I don't think I was at a live show in probably over 25 years at that point. Um, I'm also a recovering alcoholic and addict. And um, at that time, I had a couple of decades under my belt, but I had no idea how I would react at a live show at that point. But I said, you know what? I'll get two lawn seats and let's see how it goes. So I take him to go see Kiss. And he was a typical seven-year-old kid. You know, wow, the fire, the booms. (laughs) Yeah, bright eyes. Yeah, yeah. and and I love Kiss. It was one of my favorite bands, although I never went to see them in the early days. So we had a good time. And I remember going home and I'm saying to my wife, you know, this could be like that father-son bonding thing, concerts. Yeah. You know, hey, how cool would that be? Yeah. So I think the following month, Motley Crue played, still PNC. I took him to see Motley Crue. Again, we had a good time, you know, other than, you know, when Tommy came out with the titty cam, uh. you know, and, <laughs> you know and, and I'm sitting next to this woman with like young kids too on the lawn and we both looked at each other and go, that's going to leave a mark, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but it was fun and we had a good time. So at that time, my wife was actually working for a very, very large music company. She does, she's not a music person, but she was just working in this office in New York City for this large music distributor called Alternative Distribution Alliance, which was affiliated with Warner Music. Okay. It was owned by Time Warner. We all know that, so, that brand. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, at that time, Time Warner owned everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had, you know, they were like a music distributor that handled all like 150 labels. Rhino, Side One Dummy, Epitaph, you know, Warner. So 
instantly we had access to everything you could imagine. <laughs> she would come home with duffel bags, duffel bags filled with stuff, stuff you never even heard of, stuff that wasn't even out there yet. Wow. And me and my son are just sitting in the living room, just popping these CDs in this computer. And we're like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. And, you know, that, and, that, you know, and that's kind of what we did. And we would just kind of separate the good from the crap, mm -hmm. you know. And, but that's kind of how, and, but that got me to learn a lot of different types of music, things that were out there that I didn't even know of and different genres. And anyway, so. So now I'm like, okay, she comes home. She says, you know, there's this club in Sayreville called Starland Ballroom. I think I could get you on some guest lists. So I'm like, really? Okay, I'll go check it out. So I go take a friend. We just go to a show just to check it out. And we loved it. it was, I said, oh, this maybe I could take my son here. All the shows pretty much other than like two a year were like all ages. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay. So I remember the first three shows that I took my son to there was Toad the Wet Sprocket, okay. which I knew. Yeah. Uh, Bouncing Souls, okay. which I didn't know who they were at the time. And um, MSI, Mindless Self-Indulgence, well, which was okay. a crazy That's an interesting thing. one for a small kid. <laughs> yeah, so, so all right off the bat, we had three different experiences. Now, again, at this, he's like nine years old at this point. He has no clue. He's just like, ah, he's this absorbing. is amazing. Yeah. Bodies flying, people all over, and we're just meeting everybody, you know, online. You know, we did that whole thing, you know, get there two hours early to mm -hmm. wait online. He's a little kid. We got to get in fairly close so we could get to the you barricade. Get up on the front row. Yeah. Right. So every show I had him barricaded dead center against the rail, just his head as I could see above the rail. <laughs> and um, so, you know, everybody started talking to us. Oh, my God. You know, if you like this show, you should come back next week. There's another great show you'll like. And so now we're like, okay, cool. So my wife's getting on, us on some guest lists. Then I'm like buying tickets to a show, two shows, three shows. And before we know it, we're like going to like three shows a week. Wow. Right? And I'm like, holy shit. So after like the first year, I found out that Starland Ballroom has the season pass. So I go, okay, let me look into that. So I, you know, at that time, I'm going back about 15 years. Wow. And um, okay, how much is a season pass? At that time, it was $1,500 for... You get like an actual credit card with your photo on it, and it gave you access to every single show for the year, including a guest. Wow. Now, if you add That's up how much really, each show costs, and if you're going, you know, we, we were going to 100 shows a year at this point. So for us, it was well worth it. I would just yeah. hand them 1500 bucks every December, and I'd get this little card with my photo on it, and we had access to every single show there was. Wow. And we used it. We went to every single show there that, was. That's awesome. And we just, everything, it was one night would be like Thin Lizzy, and the next night would be Guar, and the next night <laughs> might be Hanson. And, and, but that was, you know, I'm like, Ska, Hardcore, you know, Madball, Suicidal Tendencies, E-Town, yeah. and, you know, so it was wow. everything. And we were just having a blast. That's great. You know, biohazard, you know, typo negative, you know. <laughs> I, I never seen that before. Yeah. I'm like, this is incredible. Like, this is insane. So, obviously, we just started meeting people and making friends with everybody as fans. And But I always had a, a thing for documentation. So, I was always taking pictures after shows for that purpose and that purpose only. Little point and shoot camera. <clears throat> and uh, I remember it was always a Fuji camera. 
you know, whatever they had at the time, it was like maybe an eight or 10 megapixel Fuji camera that was like 90 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, but I was going to so many shows that I started having to have like six batteries on me, you know, four memory cards, you know, (laughs) and, and, um, at the time, you know, as a fan, I was using a flash, Mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't in the pit. Um, and almost a year to the date, every year, the bulb would burn out. That's how many pictures I was taking. Wow. Of everything, crowd surfers. So the whole thing initially was all the security guards wanted me to take pictures of them catching crowd surfers. <laughs> that was the MySpace days. Okay. And okay. I didn't even have social media yet. Like I was, they were asking me to send them those pictures because they wanted to see them catching the crowd surfers. I said, well, how do you want me to do that? So I was literally sending this one guy like five pictures at a time through an, through an AOL email. Okay. And then finally he said, dude, just fucking get a MySpace account and then it'll be easier. So that was my first experience with like even social media, you know, and, uh, but that's kind of how it started. It was just documenting our journey through these shows. And, um, then it became where I had my spot. There was, you know, right on the corner of the barricade. That became the big joke of the club. My son <laughs> became like the mascot. He had a shirt that we used to have all the bands sign. Okay. So he was wearing this shirt that said Mr. Starland, you know, and so everything just became the focus of us as fans. Wow. We even got written up in some local newspapers, you know, father son bonding through music, you know, 150 shows a year, you know, all that kind of thing. That's really cool. And so that's kind of was the whole purpose at that time. Photography was never a thought process. You just um it was just having fun and experiencing all types of music. And um God, for about seven years that's what we did. Seven wow. seven straight years. Season pass holders Starland Ballroom was the only club I ever walked into for seven years. Wow. Other than like local VFW shows. When my son got into like middle school, he was like 13 years old. And he's like, Dad, my friends are playing, you know, at the VFW in Freehold. They don't do shows at the VFW in Freehold. <laughs> yeah, they do. Well, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, I think they're come, starting out again. Yeah, he comes <laughs> home. He comes home with tickets. He goes, Freehold. He's like, we'll go check it out. And I'm like, holy shit. This is Great. Like, I never knew this existed. These were these kids, and they were doing it all themselves, setting it up, doing the sounds, you know, uh, merch tables. And I was like, I'm buying everything. Like, I'm buying all the T-shirts, all the CDs. I was So all these kids kept calling me the show dad. Right. Wow. So I'm like, now the next thing I know is they're they're messaging me. Jeff, you're coming to the show Saturday. Jeff, we're playing, we're doing this. We well, could you help us out finding bands? And I'm like, and that kind of triggered me to start make my own first website and kind of I was all my hope my first website was nothing but MySpace links to the band sites. Okay. That's all it was, was just links. Yeah. And I was like, go just go to my website and just look at links and you'll see the bands and see if some a band fits your show. Yeah. Type of you know ska bands, yeah. you know pop punk bands, whatever it was. But that also gave me the experience of uh, a lot of cool bands that I saw for the very first time through VFW shows, Elks Lodges, Moose Lodges, wow. you know. And I started going all over New Jersey. Well, those are the best shows too, because there's like a well, at least back 
back when I used to go to them and play them, there was like a, such a sense of community yeah, of in, course. In, in those shows and the bands that played those shows. Right, and I also, my son was young. I, these weren't, yeah. I wasn't the parent that was just going to drop my kid off and say, call me when you're done. Yeah. That wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, no, I'm, I'm in there with you. You know, I'm, yeah. So I kind of, you know, had to teach them and like show them like, see that guy? You don't go in the pit when he's in the pit. Uh, <laughs> you know okay. what I'm saying? And yeah. I kind of would watch out for these kids and make sure they didn't get hurt and things like that. And so it was really cool. Um, but again, it was all just documentation from a picture standpoint. And then about seven years into it, a lot of the photographers that I met at Starland Ballroom started egging me on. Hey, wanted to shoot the shows professionally. You know, you're here every night anyway. Why not? And I'm like, yeah, it's not really what I want to do. I just like coming here and having fun with my kid and meeting people. I'm, I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. I love talking. I love being around people. I don't care what age you are. Yeah. I love talking about your life. I love hearing about people's interests and hobbies and passions. And I love that. And um, that's one of the things I've always liked about you when I've run into you at shows or, you know, here and there, you, you're always just such a happy, upbeat guy. And it's like a lot of times you, you see somebody and it's like it's like you're bothering them. Yeah, you, no, I, you're always I, just like, hey, man, grumpy that's musicians. Good. That's yeah. why. <laughs> to me, why be there if you're not going to want to be there? Like, yeah. you know, uh, and so I just, you know, that was kind of what it was about. And then I don't know, some they kept saying, just email a few bands and see if they'll give you like a photo pass. And I'm like, OK. Nobody, nobody responded. I think I emailed like seven or eight bands. Not a single band responded. And then they said, oh, you got to find like a publication to shoot for. So they'll put in the request for you and get press passes. All right. So I don't know any publications at that point. I'm like, so something popped up on Facebook. And I'm like, let me email this person. I found like a, an email. And I said, let me email this woman Tell her what I do with shows with my son. Maybe I could write reviews or something like that. And this woman writes me back very nicely and says, I love what you do with your son. How about I put you down as a staff photographer and help you get some press passes? Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. What do I do next? Like, what do do I do? I had no idea. Like, what do I do? Right? So I'm like, okay. She said, well, you know, send me a list of shows that, that you want to shoot and I'll take care of the rest. Now, again, it's only Starland at this point. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I go on their schedule. I'm like, and I send her like three weeks worth of shows on the schedule. And every day was like, confirmed, confirmed, confirmed. Really? Holy shit. Wow. So now I had to call somebody up, say, I, what camera? I don't know. I don't have a camera. I, I don't have a professional camera. What do I do? <laughs> and they kind of recommended me a camera. And there was the T3i at the time. I think it was $599 at Best Buy. And um, one lens I had to buy, which was a 50 millimeter prime lens, which was a hundred bucks. So six, seven hundred, eight hundred bucks, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And my wife's like, "Are you getting paid?" No. <laughs> She's like, "And you're going to spend eight hundred bucks on a camera?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Photography's so, like being so, a musician. Our, yeah. To- yeah. our toys are so expensive too. The very first show I shot professionally, and the publication turned out to be Amp Magazine. Okay. which was one of the biggest publications at that time that covered pretty much everything. And they had a sister magazine that covered the metal scene called Hales and Horns. So I had access to pretty much every single show that came through Starland Ballroom. That's awesome. So I shot like 80 shows in the first 100 days. And I'm sitting in this photo pit now, 
and everybody knows me as a fan, so now they're all egging me on. Yeah, Jeff's in the bitch. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. And but I'm sitting there now with this camera and this one lens that just kind of covered like from their neck up because it was like a like a portrait lens. Yeah. You know, I didn't have any money really get anything else, so I'm sitting there like leaning back as far as I could taking shots. But the first show I shot was actually the band for today and Stray from a Path. That was the first show. Um, but it was all, you know, at that point, it was like Newfound Glory, mm-hmm. you know, all the ska bands like Less Than Jake, Big D and the Kids Table, you know, All American Rejects, you know, that kind of stuff. Everything was coming through there. MSI, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was really cool. And it just it just took off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the next thing I know, I'm just kind of shooting everything and every every show that comes through. And then I'm at the VFW shows when there was an off night and then years later, uh, when Hurricane Sandy happened, Starland Ballroom went down yeah, and renovated oh yeah. for I a year. I remember that, yeah. And I'm like, what I think do they I-? took on some water too, so they, yeah. they had to. So I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I'm bored. I, I don't know where to go. I never went anywhere else. It was practice for right? now. <laughs> so I'm like, so somebody had mentioned to me that Asbury had this cool music scene. And I remember going, I think The Saint was the first place I went. And I was taking some pictures. I don't even remember who was there. I didn't even know who was there. And this young couple came up to me and they said, hey, you're the dude that owns Starland Ballroom. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Like, why would you think I own Starland Ballroom? And they're like, well, because you're always there. You're always like up front by the barricade. Everybody knows you. You're always wearing a black shirt and that kind of thing. And I'm like, no, I just go there with my kid to have fun. And now they're closed and I'm here, you know, and it's like, so everybody kind of knew me already. So when I started going to Asbury, every venue, people were coming up to me. Hey, you're that guy. And oh, man, where's the kid? And, you know, that kind of thing. So it was very comfortable and very cool, you know, and very like, you know, like you feel like you're at home. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what I like. So it was kind of I fit right in. And, you know, again, Asbury had shows every night somewhere. And that was kind of, you know, the, the snowball effect of, mm-hmm. of everything that's happened since. Yeah, because I've seen you bounce yeah. around quite a few places in Asbury. Yeah. So. <laughs> so it was kind of really cool. And then it got to that point where, you know, that was there was nothing else that mattered to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a day job. Nobody even knew I had a day job. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I nobody knew I, I had a day job. I'm like, no, time. I get up for 5.30 in the morning and go to work every day. You know, <laughs> and then still here wash up in the 7 and go to a show. Like, <laughs> doesn't everybody do that? Like, <laughs> yeah, because I remember there was nights I messaged you and I'm like, yo, come out to the show. And you're like, well, all right, well, I got to hit this place at like yeah. 6 o'clock and then I'm heading over to this place and then I got to stop at the Pony and then I might get to the scene around like 10, 30, <laughs> yeah. 11 o'clock. Yeah, but that's just kind of how it was. And I, I remember I was sitting at the Wonder Bar eating a burger, like, you know, early before a show, getting ready to shoot, um, um, oh, my God, uh, from the Misfits, one of the singers from the Misfits. Michael Graves? Michael Graves. Mm. And um, all of a sudden, I get a phone call from PNC. Jeff, are you here? No, why? I'm at the Wonder Bar. Get your ass down here. Bruce is here. Oh, wow. Uh, well, now, here's the thing, and this is kind of my whole, you know, Perception on mm-hmm. on what I do and why I do it. Anybody else would have just ran. Yeah. And I'm like, here, I'm here at the Wonder Bar to shoot Michael Graves. That might not matter to you, but it does matter to me. Ah, uh, that's cool. And I said, here's the deal. They said Bruce is going to go on with Little Stevens, and Jay Wolf from Jay Giles Band 
who has since passed away. And I said, I'm only coming out there if you give me permission to shoot the whole set. Because if Bruce comes out, he's only going to come out at the end. Mm -hmm. And if I can only shoot the first three songs, I'm not leaving where I am. Yeah. So they said, you got it, Jeff. You could shoot the whole set. So I drive to PNC. It's about 24 minutes from where I was at the Wonder Bar. Park my car, run in there, shoot the entire set, which was about an hour. Got some great shots of, of Bruce, Little Stevens, Jay Wolf, all of them. Anybody else would have just sat and relaxed and that would have been the end of the nope, night. you found another show. I, I drove back to the Wonder Bar. Oh, that's great. To catch the last 20 minutes of Michael Graves' set. That's great. You know, so that's kind of, my whole thing is just, you know, I'm, I'm very respectful and although it might not matter to somebody else, if I'm saying I'm going to be somewhere, I'm there. And if I can't be somewhere, I'll tell you, I can't be there. Well, I'll tell you what, there needs to be more people like you because know? you, there's a lot of flakes in yeah, this world. And yeah, and I don't understand that. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, I don't chase popularity. Yes, I love big shows. I love mainstream stuff. It's awesome. But I always say I'll take a 14-band battle of the bands any day. Wow, You know, That's because cool. it's just those, those are the bands that... They Mike, still have that pure you know, you energy. You can't be a Bruce without that first. You True. Know? You can't have a Willie Nile or a Jesse Mallon without that first. Yeah. Well, so you we know? were talking with uh, with our friend Eric in our last episode, and where you're like, "What's your favorite kind of customer that comes into your guitar shop?" And he goes, "That teenage kid with the bright eyes." Yeah, of course. Just, they're just so into it. And right. Say it's the same. They thing. so appreciate yeah. when they, you know, I go to the Saint on a Tuesday night in the middle of a snowstorm, <laughs> and for a band I never even heard of. And Scott would say, what are you doing here? And he says, why aren't you over there at that show? And I'm like, that's why I'm here. Yeah. Because look what you see here. There's 12 people, a band that nobody knows, and because everybody else is at the popular one. Mm -hmm. You know? That's so, how you find those diamonds in the rough, though. Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of how it was. And there was, there was times I'd go to shows. I don't want to know who they are. I don't even want to know what they sound like. I might like a show just because of the way they're dressed. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, the music is just one aspect of it. You know, I don't go to shows only for the music. I go to the shows for the atmosphere. And the people, and yeah. And there could be something about that show that I like with visually, but think their music sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, what I'm that's saying? That's one way to look at it, yeah. And I come home every night and my wife's like, how is this show? And I go, it was great. How the fuck could you go to four thousand shows and never see a bad show? <laughs> I said, you find every the good show, in I thing. find something cool about it's all about it. perception, and it could just be that one person in the crowd that I spoke to for an hour and don't even know their name. Mm. You know, and so yeah, it's all about that. That's kind of cool. So now let's fast forward a little bit because I mean, we all know you from that journey that you take. You've almost kind of became another member in the band like i know in my band we all know you we we would see you out there we would come say hi oh jeff's here he's gonna take pictures of us it's like almost like okay the extra members here we got to step up our game a little bit you know <laughs> like you know we want to give you that shot and it, sometimes it makes us forget about the music so then you step back you go whoop wait a minute so like what's <laughs> it like for you because you are you're very friendly with bands I wouldn't say that, you know, every band that you you shoot or whatever that you meet or you talk to, your best friends, but you're, uh, what's the right word, like a, a an acquaintance of importance, you know? So, like, what's that like to you? Like, I know what you are to me, but I don't really know, like, you've come out and seen Rope Tree so many times, yeah. you know, like. So, it's like. See, the, the funny thing about that is he's like that to 
more bands than you could even count. No, I'm just saying though. Like, yeah, what's it like for that, you to a a band? Well, I mean, that I'm, treat you. I mean, I'm human. Right? Yeah. So uh, before anything, I'm human. Musicians are human, mm-hmm. and I treat them that way because they're human beings first, right? Mm-hmm. And I am the same. So when I'm at a show and a band is on stage and they look out and see me and they're like, oh, "Jeff's here." Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes me feel just as good as it makes the band feel. Okay. Very so good. when I that's so exciting for me. How many photographers do you know that bands call their name from the stage? Yeah. That's... I, I don't know many. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't, it could be a, a mainstream band, it could be a local band, but at the end of the day, when you're in a crowd of 5,000 people at the Stone Pony Summer Stage and bands are screaming your name from the stage, that's fucking cool. Yeah. You know, and so yeah, I mean, I, I you know, my energy is built off that as well. Just like a band has, you know, when you get on stage and you stop playing in front of your crowd and your friends, the adrenaline rush, well, I get the same thing as a photographer. And if I don't get that, I shouldn't be there. Yeah. Okay, fair you know, enough. That's good. And I've been around so many photographers, local and big time, and I'm like, and they're standing off to the side going, oh, when's this show going to end? Uh, you know, yeah, oh, uh, so when's this band going to get off? They suck. They just, like, it's like they don't even care to be there. Then why are you here? Like, yeah. why, why are you here? And, and that, those could be the ones getting paid. And being like, really? That's who's getting paid? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of, you know, that, that was the whole thing too. It's like, Everything was about passion and feel for me. Okay. You know, and if that wasn't there, it's move on to something else. Because if I'm not passionate about it, then there's no reason to be there. Gotcha. Yeah. Very good. That's a good. That's a good way to look at it, man. It's, it's just passion for your craft. Yeah. That's, I mean, who really wants to go is. out? You know, listen, I spend more time shooting shows than my day job. You know, and, and in terms of how many hours I put into it. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, I mean, I don't make, you know, a tenth of it back. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm sure it's not going to put in all that time and effort for something I didn't like. True. And in, in, to help you, too, like the, the relationship you have with the bands. Sure. They're so much more comfortable with you. So it's not like you're getting like awkward poses. It's just the connection between you and the people on the stage is so much more natural. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, and I would always say, like, people ask me that question all the time, like, you know, how do you get the shots you get or how do you do it, you know, the way you do it? And I'm like, you got to understand, it's not just taking pictures. It's understanding the whole scene. It's time. I time lighting. I learn how the bands move. I know when somebody's going to jump. I know when somebody's going to move from one side of the stage to the other. I look at those things over time and I learned that. Mm-hmm. And every venue has a different pattern of how they do their line, their lighting, mm-hmm. or how how they do their, you know, stage production, and all. And those are things that are always going through my head, and I'm keeping there. So when I go to a show and I see a band that I might have seen many times before, I already know, you know, what I'm looking for, and I already know what color or or the timing of when the lights are going to change from yellow to blue or to red. Uh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I know what I'm already looking for. That's cool. So I don't know for me, probably like I'd say at least three out of my five favorite pictures of myself were taken by you <laughs> yeah. at the Saint on stage. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, you know, every venue has something about it that I like. And that question gets asked all the time. What venue do you like better, you know, mm. for purpose of shooting? And I said, well, that makes no sense because like every venue has an atmosphere yeah. And whether it be a good atmosphere or a bad one from the per, you know from the perspective of photography, you know that's what being a photographer is is adapting to whatever yeah. setting you're in. I'm not expecting to go to the Brighton Bar 
and see a well-lit venue. No. Right? No, no, so no. if you're a band... Well, you're not going to the Brighton Bar anymore at all. <laughs> and if you're a band that says, Jeff, come shoot us, we're playing at the Brighton Bar, then you, you better not expect... Yeah. You know, great light pictures. Well, that's like my you favorite know, picture so. you took the last time we played the scene. It's you hit it just as the lights yeah. popped white, and there's the smoke, the smoke fill the in the haze, background, yeah. and I got my beer up, like yeah. this, chugging it down. It's, it's perfect. So it's, it is what it is. I mean, to me, you're not a photographer if you're worried about what the lighting's going to be at a place that that your friend's band is playing. Yeah, you have to you adapt know. to it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm not going to ask you about your favorite venue, but I am going to ask you about your favorite lenses and camera or tools of your trade. Okay, so like I said, at the beginning, it started off at the bare basics. And as you get more and more into it, you get very like excited for all the new stuff that comes out, right? Whether it be camera bodies, a new camera lens, you know, do I get this range, that range? I need something that, you know, zooms in really close because if I'm at a venue where I got to shoot from the front of house, you know, that kind of thing. And now that I've been doing it so long, it comes full circle. Now I'm down to just the bare minimum. Oh, wow. So after you, you go out, out and spend tens of thousands yeah. of dollars on equipment, now I'm like back to... A four hundred dollar used lens, okay. where my first real lens was an eighteen hundred dollar lens. Wow! Right, so you know you go from a five thousand dollar setup back to a two thousand dollar setup, and you realize that yeah, a new camera might give you better features, but not as much as you think for the purpose of spending three more grand. Yeah, a couple bells, a couple whistles. Right, all the new equipment that's out there is really geared more towards better video. Oh, okay. Not better stills, other yeah. than some focusing features. Okay. But, like I said, I'm still using cameras that I bought over four years ago. Because that's what works best for you. And I'm like, I don't see much different. I watch people that went out and bought the new Canons, five grand just for the body. Their pictures don't look any different than mine. Okay. So either it's the camera don't make a difference or you're not a good photographer. I don't know. I mean, pick one. Like, you know, it, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but it is what it is. So like I said, it's, you know, the newer stuff is much more, you know, technology in general. As technology expands, mm -hmm. <laughs> it becomes a little more flimsier, so to speak. Oh, okay. Right? So if you're that guy that's out in the crowd and running around with all these people and you know, cameras swinging off your body. I don't want anything flimsy. You yeah. know how many lenses I oh, you have? You want to build like a tank. My lenses are like dented, like like from from you know shopping shopping center carts hitting your car. Wow! Right, that I have dents on my camera lenses to show like you know <laughs> them just bouncing off people. <laughs> and that was some kid's head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so it's like you know. So yeah, I can't use flimsy stuff. You know, um, so yeah, so I like the older rugged stuff yeah. much better. What is your like your basic routine? Okay, leading into a show, <laughs> like when you're getting ready, like you know, what, what, what steps do you go through when you get to a show? Do you like you know scope certain things out? Okay, gotta have so, a coffee. So, so here's the joke, especially in Asbury. So, <laughs> the joke is. I show up nine hours early. <laughs> so, so, so here's why. So like if there's, let's say, a summer stage show in Asbury Park, right? And most of the time they saw, let's say, five o'clock, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of doors and yeah. the local openers inside type of a thing, right? <laughs> I'll be out there at 9 a.m., okay? 
because I have my routine of what I like to do for the day prior to the show. And the, the point of that is, is number one, I don't like to rush. And you have to know where you're going. You have to know the area. And I know that Asbury Park is not the smartest place to show up an hour before a show with how the parking situation is. True. Very so true. I, Especially at the Pony. So I choose to give up eight hours of my day to come up there at nine o'clock in the morning, walk around, go say hi to people, visit all the places, the, the venues, the restaurants, and do my rounds. And I love that because it's like I go see everybody in that four or five block radius before the show even starts. And then when that show starts, I'm already there. I'm ready to go. Okay. You know, and yes, there are certain shows that I find out information, you know, because I'm there early. What's going on? Are there VIPs? Are there, you know, is it somebody I might know that might let me get a band shot? Or so, yeah, so there are valuable aspects of being there early, um, meeting a tour manager. And hey, listen, you mind if I get a few band shots of these guys? Some of them are cool. Yeah, Jeff, no problem, man. Come in the back. Or some of them might say, no, sorry, can't do that. Mm -hmm. That's cool. But like yeah. I said, if I show up right when that show starts, none of that could happen. So gotcha. I do like that pregame kind of chill, getting ready, not rushing type of a thing. Cool. That leads me into, uh, I'd like to hear some of your best and worst time war stories. <laughs> you know, what was a good one? Were you like out in the snow taking shots or, or is this something similar where like, oh man, I just broke my camera and they're on song one. You know, like, like what's the most memorable for you, good and bad? I mean, in terms of like a show, I remember Starland Ballroom, the Ataris. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, we're playing a show. This is kind of, you know, after their heyday, like trying to make a comeback, so to speak. Uh, and the singer literally did the whole set from his knees. Like he didn't even know his material. He was reading it from sheets. Oh, wow. It was the weirdest show I ever saw in my life. <laughs> well, I heard he had a good one. Well, that was at the lanes. Was that the one the where he threw the drum around? The drum kit. Yeah. And funny story was we were up recording with the guitar player yeah. from the Atari. The drummer was like drunk and he was like messing up. So we were started. there and we heard all about it. And yeah. We look at him and we're like, aren't you glad you're not in that band anymore? Yeah. Like, that's funny. Yeah. So that kinda, funny. Yeah. That was kind of really an odd show. Um, but I've seen some cool stuff. I mean, even, you know, um, Pony Summer Stage every year, they do that, uh, like, 90s show. Mm -hmm. And they have been like, Alien Ant Farm and yes. Baseball and Sponge. Mm -hmm. And I remember Sponge, actually, I, I think he went through, I think he broke about six mic stands wow. on stage just for fun. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, the production guy is like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. You know, <laughs> you know and, and even I think Starland, it was... um. Amur, I think the, the singer had a fight with his girlfriend and like broke the kitchen door down. Oh, wow. You know, so there was like, yeah, and it's always kind of, you know, suburban scum, you know, just 
Oh, you look over in the right-hand corner at the bar, and there's just this giant fight going on between gangs, you know. And I'm like, uh-oh, here we go, you know. And I'm like, where's my kid? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> so, yeah, there was always some kind of cool moments that you just didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, how it was going to turn out and stuff like that. And, and I think that's kind of one of the elements of being at a live show. Yeah. Like, because, you, you know, you can listen to CDs in your car, but Still not you're never going to get that experience. Of, of, I remember the first time... I went to see Gorgo Bardello. I know what to expect. And me and my son, again, I have him barricaded right in the center of the barricade. And as soon as the music starts, like 50 fucking bodies are flying over my head. Wow. Holy shit. I'm like ducking like from birds. Like it was the weirdest. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. Like we didn't have no idea what was going to happen. Wow. So those, those are the cool moments. That's you know? cool. Very cool. And, what, and what's the worst? I mean, and not because of a show. I'm going to say like equipment failure. Yeah, to... I mean it's happened. Like I've never, thank God, I've never had any major issues oh, where not, that's a wooden just, table. That's a wooden table. Knock on wood. Yeah, just, some, <laughs> just something like I never had an issue where something just didn't work and we couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I had a lens broke. I remember one time I was just looked down and like the whole head of my lens was gone. Oh wow! I just had like a glass bubble. <laughs> like it was the weirdest thing and I still use it like I literally use it they're looking at me like what the fuck are you it looks like a space orb that's like, awesome. it works I don't know it works I'm not gonna get rid of it if you it works yeah. yeah I mean I've had times where like the focusing would just break on. I had a, I actually had a brand new lens an actual um, uh, 70 to 200 millimeter lens that I just bought for like $1,300 mm-hmm. and like a month later the focusing just broke and stopped oh wow and, and, and you know it's gonna you know yeah. it's garbage at that point. What do you do? Yeah, you know. So how do you go home and tell your wife I just fucked up thirteen hundred? <laughs> you know, very gentle. You go home, honey. I love you. <laughs> I played it off. I didn't tell her. I waited a year and said I need a new lens. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Smart Oopsie. man. But now she knows. We'll edit that out. Don't worry. <laughs> you know. So yeah, you know, you always you never know what you're gonna run into. But thank God I've never had any major issues. You know, I have photo shoots. You know, when I do like band shots, like. You know, like I said, a lot of it seems to be more. Not, no, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I've had it with younger bands too. You know, younger bands like teenage bands. You know, mm-hmm. you know they form a band out of like a music school. Okay. And you know the the parents call you up, Jeff. We got to do a photo shoot. You know, okay, no problem. We'll go out do a photo shoot, and then a week later they'll call me up, Jeff. Yeah, the drummer left the band, or the guitarist got kicked out. We're fun, we're in process of finding somebody new. We'll call you back for another photo shoot. Oh, wow. You know those kind of things. Yeah. You know, even older bands too. I see that a lot with the older bands and even like cover bands. I'm like, you cover band. Yeah. Like you, you can't even get along as a cover band. Like oh, you're no, like no, you're no. 40 year old men. I'm like, you know, <laughs> what could possibly have happened that you you kicked the drummer out after doing a photo shoot? I blame drummers. I blame you know? drummers for everything. Yeah, you were rough on drummers. Like, I, don't, I mean, I get it, but I'm like, it, it happens way too often. You know. Tell me about yeah. it. So, now you just had a pop-up gallery let's talk about that for a little bit what was that experience like and and what were like some of the details to it so i never did a gallery everybody always said oh you should do a gallery and i'm like so the problem with galleries are like who's going to come to a gallery and buy a picture of a local band if you didn't know them Mm -hmm. other than their mother you know right so like so what's the point right so like because people go to a gallery, they want to see mainstream stuff, you know. And although I love mainstream, that's not where my heart is. Mm-hmm. But I had the opportunity, um, a place in Asbury Park called Ghost Harbor Creative, which caters to more 
the local scene. Yeah. Um, had a had a window of a couple of weeks between two other shows. And I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe I should do something. You know, is that cool? And she's like, yeah, Jeff, that's a great idea. You know, I'll put up some of your pictures and, and we'll kind of figure it out and we'll promote it. And then I said, you know what? My daughter's a tattoo artist and my son's an artist. Maybe I'll make it like a family project. So I said, yeah. So I asked both my kids, would you want to be part of it? And they said, yeah, that'll be great. So we pitched it as like the Crespi family you know, gallery show. Okay. So I I put out, I literally, and it's still hanging there now. I'm actually taking them down on Thursday. I have a hundred eight by 10 photos hanging on the wall, 90% logo bands. Mm-hmm. And my son has all his digital art set up and my daughter has all her stuff set up all in the same room. And we had two shows uh, last weekend, the Sunday and the Monday night. And it was amazing. Everybody came by um, I don't know. I've probably sold somewhere about 50 pictures. Oh, wow. Awesome. Um, my daughter sold a lot of stuff. My son sold stuff. All friends were coming by. Local bands were coming by and buying each other's pictures, mm-hmm. you know, and saying, oh, you know, I'm going to go give it to him. And, you know, so it was really cool. So I was, didn't, wasn't sure what to expect, but it worked out really well. It was really nice. Nice. Is this going to be maybe something you're going to do annually? Yeah, or? It could be. I mean, yeah. it could be. I mean, it is kind of cool. And But like I said, the setting's got to be right because mm-hmm. it's more for the local yeah. scene. So, you know, so it's kind of, it's got to be a setting that caters to the local scene to make it work. That's awesome. You, know? you are truly probably like the last local hero. <laughs> you, you, know, you have to be. You have to be. Well, see, you know, the thing with that is there's a lot of local photographers. But, and I get asked this a lot too, like, you know, what do you think separates you from the rest? And you know, it is what it is. No, I could tell you right now what every, separates you from the rest. Every, you care. Well, <laughs> well, everybody has, it's everybody's path to choose, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's their business. But what I find is most local photographers only show up and follow their friends' bands or a specific genre. Mm. Okay. And that's the difference. I don't pick by genre and I don't pick by venue and I don't pick by the band. Yeah. It's everything. Covering the scene means everything. That's why. That's what I mean when I say you care. It's like you care about the people too. Right. It's like you make. I care about you make the, friends with everybody. I care about the stagehands. I care about the the bartenders. I you know I've had lighting people buy pictures from me because it showcases what their skill set is oh, at a yeah, venue. That's true. Most Very people true. they if you're a photographer and you're there for your friend's show, you think they give a shit about the lighting person. Yeah. True, true. Very true. You know, so that's part of, you know, the whole thing for me is like understanding what goes into a show from two o'clock in the afternoon to put on a show that goes on at eight o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. That's important to me. That's very cool. That is. That is very cool. Yeah. You know, you can't, I'm speechless. I can't (laughs) sit there and say anything and I'm never speechless. (laughs) Um, now, do you do any private shoots? Is yeah. that something that you're just kind of doing? Like, how's COVID affecting? Because well, right now it's on standstill. I mean, I, I've always done private shoots for bands, promo shots. I've done about 20 CD covers. Okay. I don't promote myself that way because it's all based on the reputation and the connection I have with certain bands. Um, and I also remember, again, we all know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be photographers or bands, and I don't want to play that game. I don't get into that social media crap or competition mm, yeah. part of it. Yeah. It is what it is, and when bands reach out to me, 
They, they reach out to me because they trust me. They know I'm professional and they know they're going to get a good product. Yeah. Um, and the bottom line is, you know, whatever those bands are or who those bands are that I work with all through the years, you know, that's, that's what I kind of do. And so, yeah, I've done, a, I've done tons of band promo shots. Um, individual shoots with, with musicians, yes. Okay. Um, due to COVID, obviously, there was more time on my hands. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I did my COVID-19 state of mind project yep. early on in the pandemic. I do recall that. And, and I did that. The reason why I did that was, number one, I wanted to find a way to kind of do something within the, the scene. Yes. And But I also was smart enough not to get mixed up in the chaos that was going on at the time mm-hmm. and that's why i didn't do it initially early on i waited a couple of months into yeah, it, was, the it was a little bit later right because people were still trying to figure out their own lives yeah figure out what the hell and i didn't want to number one yeah. i didn't want to be out there driving around and running around and adding to that so i'm like okay let me wait a few months but then i got the idea and i kind of just made a post and um, I woke up that morning to like 60 requests mm-hmm. of people wanting to be part of it. Now, the whole, it was only just to go out and take like a social distance picture mm-hmm. and getting somebody's state of mind mm-hmm. as a quote to superimpose on the picture. And then a friend contacted me and says, Jeff, why don't we make this into a documentary? And he said, I'd love to film it. And I says, okay, you know. Let's come up with an idea. So we went to Asbury Park and he basically just filmed me talking about my state of mind during this time. Mm-hmm. And then we took, I ended up about 72 pictures total that I took. Wow. And we took all 72 pictures and, and put it into the video. And it came out great. I yeah. Mean, it really came uh, out great. I think we, great. we, I put it up on Instagram and I think within just a day or two, it had almost 1300 views. Wow. You know, well, I know I, I saw I it on it Facebook. On YouTube and, yeah, I think it was somebody put a link. For yeah, so YouTube, it's just, so. But yeah, but it, so that kind of worked out great. Now, the cool thing with that was is that there's a lot of bands that I shoot, but I never get the opportunity to talk to them on a personal level mm. because they're doing their thing, I'm doing my thing, and I don't want to interfere with them. Yeah, I'm you not just that cross guy. Cross paths in the middle, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. not that guy that kind of like you know talking your head off while you're trying to fucking do a line check. You know, I'm, I'm not that guy. So it's like, so it's like sometimes when the show's over, I go home to my wife. Yeah. You know, I'm not that guy that you're going to find hanging out in an IHOP at 3 a.m. with a band. You know, <laughs> you know, that's not my shtick, you know. Yeah. So, you know, so I got to learn about people. I got to learn one of the people that I did a picture for, which was a band that I only shot maybe two times prior and I knew nothing about personally. I had no idea if they were married, what they do for mm-hmm. a living, any of that. And I remember showing up at his house and literally in five minutes time, I met his wife, his daughter, and he told me that his father-in-law had passed away just a few hours before I got there in one of the assistant living homes. Oh, it's rough. So when you're sitting there or standing there in front of somebody you never talked to before... And now within five minutes, you know everything that's going on at that moment. That's an awesome thing. Yeah. Because me and that person now became good friends. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. that's that and connection right there. I shot his band like numerous times since. He did live streams, hires me for pretty much every event they do. That's awesome. You know, and so, but that's the connection that I like. You know, 
I like knowing who you are as a person. And that's also the reason why if you look at all my documentaries on YouTube, they're all about my life prior to photography, my life as a recovering alcoholic and addict. Because I want you, you, and everybody else to know who I am as a person. I'm a photographer, but I'm a human being first. Yeah, And I don't want people to think of me as just a photographer. I want people to think of me as a, as a good person. You know, that likes to take pictures. Well, like you said, yeah. you, you, I think you you're become, doing a good job. That's what I want to become the extra band member, pretty much. Yeah. You become yeah, part so. of the family. That's, yeah. So that's to me, true. that's very important. Yeah. I always tell people my goal for every day is to wake up, to be a productive member of society, and go to bed every night, put my head down on the pillow, and feel good about what I did for the day. Oh. That's my goal every day. That's great. You I mean, know, that is that's very why there's positive. no skeletons in the closet. Yeah. I don't deceive people. I don't lie to anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I go out there and my life is my life. You know, I love meeting people. You know, I, I'm that guy that, that could meet somebody and just call my wife and say, I'm bringing this girl home to hang out, make coffee. Wow. You know, like that's kind of the way I am. Like, it's just about the conversation. I, yeah. I know I can say for you, so you're, you know, you're more than welcome at anything yeah. we do because we, we love you, man. Yeah. To me, that means everything. Yeah. You're, you yeah. know, never had a complaint. Yeah. I'm sure the same goes for Rope Tree. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Where we leave <laughs> a couple <laughs> times. Right? Hey. <laughs> Some of us were a little, you know, oh, hey. But no, it's always, hey, hey, how's yeah. it going? You know? Yeah. I mean, that last, uh, we had that one, um, it was at the Pony. I think it was with Bush. Oh, yeah, yeah, night, yeah. And the place was just, yeah. it was rocking. And it yeah. was after Bush. And I was like. This is great. Yeah. And uh, you went and you made us stand. Yeah. And yeah. Like, we oh, got to yeah. take a They're picture of you with the, the crowd. the mural there. Yeah. No, no. That was a different one. I'm saying we just got done playing. The place oh, was still that's packed. Right. Yes, and you're like, yes. you have to stand up front. Yeah. And it, yes. that picture is yeah, still yeah, on yeah. Facebook. I yeah. love that one. That was yeah. good. So thank you for being yes. a kind person for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, any futuristic plans? Like, What do you think is going to happen <sighs> when... I feel like we're in a we're in a good place. We're we're moving in the right direction. So hopefully bands will be able to start playing stuff to packed houses again. Yeah, I, I think kind of in the next couple of months. You know, I, the biggest thing right now is the social distancing. Mm-hmm. As long as social distancing is still a thing, you could not have general admission. Mm. That's the biggest key right now yeah. for the bigger venues. Yeah. And that's something, those are the conversations that are taking place right now. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the bands or a lot of the bigger venues are booking tours right now. Okay. But if you look at the pattern, it's late summer, early fall. Yeah, most of them are like August, right. September. Right. So that's the reason because they cannot do anything and they don't want to have to cancel and go through rescheduling again. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all trying to play it safe and not book now. Um you know, New York already announced that they were kind of opening up New York, I think, July 1st. So everything's got to try to stay uniform. So I got to imagine that, that Jersey, Jersey Connecticut, PA, shortly after, got to yeah. somehow stay within the same pattern, yeah, well, so yeah, to speak. It's just a car ride to uh, each state. Right. Well, and also people work in other states that That's they're close too. to. So they, you can't have one without the other. It's, an, it's, it's harder that way. So I think everybody's banking on by like July you know, if, as long as you lift the social distancing, then it's up to the venues uh, um, and like like Live Nation and mm-hmm. AEG Bowery Presents to figure out the process that they want to put in place to get people inside. Yeah. You know, whether it be with the vaccination card, whether it be with a temperature check, you know, 
all those things are what's taking place right now in conversation. Okay. Um, um, so yeah, so I've already been in touch with, with a lot of the venues that I frequent. Okay. And they all pretty much said the same thing, you know, that, mm. that those are the conversations that are going on. And you could see Starland Ballroom and the Stone Pony are announcing shows, yeah. but they're all pretty much late, late summer, fall. Okay. You know, the bigger, the bigger bands, touring bands, what I'm noticing is they're starting in Europe. They're booking we'll in Europe, it. and I think their plan is to be back on the East Coast for the spring and next summer. Hmm. See, and like I have uh, Guns N' Roses tickets that were from last year, supposed to be August 5th this year. I read something that they canceled. They just canceled Europe. Well, the problem with that is some of them are doing that because of the visas. Oh, okay. From going from country to country with the with the whole COVID thing. Oh, okay. So that's the reason for that with those type of things. But most of the bands that are able to do it, mm-hmm. they're, they're starting out in those other countries that are opened up okay. at this point. Trying to buy us, but the time. traveling is the issue. Yeah, I mean that's no. got to be a huge thing. Um, a buddy of mine that I'm working with that we've talked about before, he had to go get his shots because one of the first things is Canada, right? Sure. He's like, oh, you can't go unless you have this. Right. And the word on the street is that you know flying internationally, especially, yeah, is probably going to require the vaccination card. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how that's going to play out in the long run with legalities uh, and venues uh, per se. You know, what do you do? What do you do if you show up at a show and you don't have your card? What do you yeah, do? Guess- they tell you to go home. I don't know. We got to refund the money. What then, do you I do even I'm- with temperature checks? What if you have just a cold? Just because you, it doesn't just mean you have, you have COVID. Te- yeah. like, uh, actually, it could be the other way around. Right, you might not saying. have a temperature. Right. So, <laughs> so like, you know, that's kind of all those weird things that you don't know how they're going to play out. Yeah, that's so you know? weird. and There's no plan. Yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. You know, those no. first few big shows are going to be the test. Yeah, I know. The, the process. Not the show itself, but the process. process. Yeah, because you imagine going into uh, MetLife. How are you going to... Yeah. It holds what eighty two thousand. Yeah, I think eighty two thousand. They just announced that Giants games will have people on it now too. I think it's like fifty percent capacity. Oh, that's a good point then, because they did in other states. Football or baseball has people. How are they doing it? Well, they're only allowing in a certain capacity so they could separate the yeah. the, the groups. Oh, okay. It's like a so percentage. they're still abiding by the social distancing because if you come in with a group of people you know, you could sit together. Yeah. But they're separating the groups. So like even now they mm. announce now you could have bar seating. Yeah, but you have to have have groups of four separated by six feet. Oh, okay. So if you okay. come in with a party of six, you can't all sit together. Oh, you have to do a four and two. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so okay. that's kind of the, the catch right now. And that's not going to help smaller places, right? Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. that's all they're saying. Until you lift the social distancing, it's still a mess. Yep. You know. Well, what would be your future plans? You can still, I'm going to get to these shows, whether they're yeah, outside I mean, or... I don't have a future plan per se as a photographer. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's just when you love something you do every day, you just keep doing it. And if something comes out of it that's different than what I'm doing now, you know, that's something I'll tackle at that time. You know, but no, I don't have anything in my head mm-hmm. um, of what I want to do five or ten years from now. You know, in terms of photography, you know, for now, it's just loving what I'm doing. And as long as the passion's still there, I'll keep doing it till I'm 80 years old. That's great. All right. Well, as a photographer, you don't have to give up names or bands or anything, but 
what are some things that bands do that you you hate as a photographer? And what are some things that are, you know, that you really enjoy when bands do that for you as a photographer? So I think probably my biggest pet peeve is is preparation. Right? If you're a musician that plays out all the time, I I'm gonna assume that you should know your equipment and that you shouldn't have to spend twenty minutes tuning a guitar. <laughs> when your time already started to play. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand that concept. Like, like if it's the same guitar you used two days ago. I saw you. So like, <laughs> why would you have to do all that again? Like, I don't understand. Now I know obviously equipment could fail. Something doesn't work. I get that. Yeah. But your, your normal daily routine shouldn't hinder starting. Yeah. When you get you know, up on that stage, you should be ready to go. Sometimes I'll run from one venue okay. to another in Asbury Park and somebody's supposed to be going on at eight o'clock mm-hmm. and at eight o'clock I'm there and the person's still putting his equipment together. Uh, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like you were supposed to go on 10 minutes ago. Like, yeah. and, and don't get me wrong. I know sometimes that sometimes shows of, start. Late. I know yeah. that, well, that's different. I mean, if it's the venue had, had an issue, that's yeah. one thing, but as an artist, you, the prep work should be already figured out. True. This you know, is true. Yeah, you, you should know. get up on a stage. Come on, stuff slackers. And, right. I, I'm not going to show up at a show that I'm f- photographing without my equipment ready. Yeah. You know, and, and if, to give you an understanding of that, <laughs> for me to do what I do on the level and the volume I do it, you have to have a system. You have to have an organization mm-hmm. way of doing it. And when I'm done with a show and I'm first coming home at 12, 1 in the morning, I don't go to bed. I have to upload my memory cards I, I have know, you to, start throwing pictures up right away. I have to right charge away. all my batteries. No, yeah. I have to have everything ready for the next day. Yeah. And I have to do that. Otherwise, everything is thrown off. So I, I don't know. I mean, I know you know musicians are no different than artists. It's some of just very wacky and yeah. offbeat. Yeah, that's us. But, you know, I, if I'm going to a show... You know, I don't want to see somebody tuning their guitar for 10 minutes, you know, when they were supposed to go on. Why well, is it right? got to be a guitar? We can't be a bass. You know, so like, <laughs> you know, but it's just, you know, that's kind of one of my pet peeves yeah. is the preparation. I could see that because I, I even see like, man, like here's $35, dude. Just go get your guitar set up from a pro and you'd probably be yeah, okay it now. Is you what know? It is. But, you know, I <laughs> yeah. guess that's also part of the experience too, but it's like. You know, listen, I, you know, I remember, you know, going to Starland Ballroom for Wu-Tang shows and like <laughs> 10 o'clock at night when they're supposed to be on, they're still on the bus driving from Staten Island. Yeah. You know, oh, so wow. it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, those things happen. I mean, like Guns N' Roses oh, is yeah. famous. Two that, hours late, know? easy. So it's like, you know, but people still paid that money and went to see them every show. Yeah. You know, so it is what it is. But I, to me, I guess it's more the local scene. Like if you're a local artist... And you're trying to make a name for yourself. Yeah, you want to have. You always want to step off your yeah. right foot and have a good impression. Right, exactly. You know, so. so, and I've I've gone to sometimes walked into a, a place to shoot a certain person or band, mm-hmm. and they're not ready. Guess what? I got to head out because I already told another band I'm going to yeah. be there yeah. a, a half hour later. Yeah. You know, so that's the hard thing for me. Like when I'm in Asbury Park and I'm doing six places, and I got, every, you know, I got, you got a schedule to keep. I got to yeah. con- I contact all the all the venues. Like, could you give me the set list, right? Oh, okay. And I know which venues are very on time, and I know which venues aren't. Right. And you know, when you got the privately owned venues like the Brighton Bar, the Saint, mm-hmm. time's not an issue. Oh yeah, no, right. They don't but care. the Pony and and Starland, it's 
you know, oh, you're not man. ready at that oh. time. <laughs> you lose yeah. time of your set. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they you don't know, care. There's no, like, you know, ah, take your time and figure yeah. it out. You know, no. that doesn't happen. So I know which venue. So when a band says, Jeff, I'm playing the Brighton Bar. We're going on at 9. I know 9 means 10. Oh, okay. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And I'm like, and if they want me to be there, I'm like, you better, you got to communicate with me because if you're not going on at 9, you better let me know before I leave another venue. You know, yeah. so, yeah, that all kind of is part of what I do. So, yeah, it's almost like having your event planner out and be like, okay, yeah. well. Mm, I take, and I, so I keep a sheet of paper, right? Like an eight and a half by 11 inch piece of paper. And <laughs> about six venues I have written on there, right? And every venue underneath, I have their entire schedule for the month. Okay. For the month. Wow. Right? And then circled every show that I have to be at then it's circled every show that I want to be, be at, at yeah. and then as people call me and message me all day and night I have to have that piece of paper in front of me because when someone says Jeff we're playing you know March 12th at, at Asbury Lanes could you be there I need something physically in front of me mm-hmm. to see am I available you know March 12th because otherwise I gotta wait till 12 o'clock that night to see uh, so I don't want the bands to wait and I don't want to wait four hours to let them know. Yeah. So I, I always have a piece of paper on me with the entire month schedule of every venue I frequent. Wow. See, <laughs> it's not just showing up and taking pictures. No. He's got it planned out. He's got it planned out. <laughs> All right, well, Unlike us. Going back to before you said when you got to, when you got to Asbury, you know, it felt like home. What venue feels most like home to you? I mean, obviously. I mean, out of not just Asbury. I mean, well, see, anywhere. I mean, obviously, Starland Ballroom means everything to me because yeah, that that's... was the start of everything. I mean, Starland Ballroom was the club that I walked in for the first time with my kid. You know how many times I got yelled at? You know how many times I got? You know, the general manager almost every show would be, "Hey, Jeff, why is your fucking kid sleeping on the bench?" Oh. <laughs> you know, why is your fucking kid outside bothering security? You know, why, is you, you know, that was an every show occurrence. You know, they literally, it was to the point where they told me I was no longer allowed to stand where I normally stand because I was causing too much of a ruckus. Wow. Because so many people were coming into the venue and bodging through the crowd to come see me. <laughs> and I would have piles of all my son and his friend's stuff, their coats, their wallets, their cigarette packs, their phones just piled in my pockets and under the barricade so they could go in the pit and not have to worry about losing anything. Uh-huh. So in every show it was like, Jeff, come here. You're no longer allowed to stand there. Like, what? Like, what do you mean I'm allowed to stand there? It's like a general admission venue. What do you do? So, but that was part of it. It was like, but then those years went on and on and on. And then, you know, the next time when I came in that first time as a professional photographer, everybody was like, you see, years went by and here you are, man, doing your thing. That's really cool. You know, so that was always cool. So Starland Ballroom means everything to me. In terms of feeling at home and comfortable, the Stone Pony is very different than Starland Ballroom um, in terms of how it's run. It's a little bit more laid back. Um, so it is a more comfortable feeling. It's you know not as many rules, so to speak. And they give me the freedom to do pretty much what I want within reason. Um, summer stage shows, if a lot of people don't know this, but those summer stage shows are not Stone Pony shows. They are Fair run enough. by Live Nation. 
And there's a lot of people that come there and, and photographers, local photographers, that don't understand why they can't go out there in the summer stage area and take pictures from the fa- from from the crowd with a mm-hmm. professional camera. They're not Stone Pony shows. The Stone Pony does not have a say in what goes on on those shows. And you know, as a band that's played, you know, inside, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's certain rules and certain things that you have to abide by. Yeah. You know, you can't say you're opening up for Bush. Yeah. You know, you can't, there's certain things because so they're the separate shows. It's the you know, after party. They're separate yeah. shows. They're, they're, the Stone Pony Summer Stage is run by Live Nation. Inside is run by Kyle yeah. as the promoter. Yeah. You know, so yeah, so it's, it's kind of, you know, but the Stone Pony is the place that I feel the most comfortable in terms of showing up, doing my thing, sitting down, eating something, talking to the bartenders as they're setting up and getting their, their bars prepared and that, that kind of stuff, you know. Very cool. Yeah, I've always felt like that way about the Saint. That's that's my place. Yeah, it's and, and again, <clears throat> every venue has its thing. Every venue has... I know where I'm going to be in each venue. I know where I'm yeah. going to stand. I know where I need to be. I know when to get to a venue to be able to get the spot I want to be at. Yeah. Those are all things I've learned over time. You know, you'll if you notice, unless I'm bouncing around, if you're if you're if you're playing a show, even if you're the headliner at ten o'clock at night, I'm still there at four o'clock in the afternoon shooting every band before you. Yeah, you yep. know, and people used to say that to me. I had photographers that say to me. You know, if you're working for that band, why are you shooting the other bands? Isn't that disrespectful? And I says, no, why should it be disrespectful? Now, the band that's paying me is going to get all the pictures. Yeah. The other bands are not, but I'm still going to shoot them. Number one, it's promotion for me. Yeah. Number two, I'm going to tell you guys, you know how many times bands have reached out to me that I wasn't working for and said, hey, I saw you were taking pictures. Could we see the pictures? And I'd say, well, I was working for these other two bands. I did take pictures of you like I do as a courtesy, but I can't send them to you because I wasn't working for you. You know how many times they turn around and say how much you want for the pictures? Wow. Yeah. Almost every show. Wow. That's awesome. And why wouldn't I take pictures of every band? I love taking pictures. That's a weird thing to say, disrespectful, because like if you're there, isn't it disrespectful to the other bands to not take their pictures? Well, they were looking at like they're it, not good enough that for the your band pictures? that you're shooting would be pissed that I was taking pictures of all the bands and not just you. Yeah. But that you're getting more out of it than the band yeah. that's not paying me because you're going to get still getting of what all you the pay pictures. For, yeah. The other bands are not. I might put up two or three just as so they could see yeah. what I do. And I'm not going to send them. Too. I'm not yeah. going to email them my 50 pictures like I would a band that's paid me. Yeah, like that, that one band that opens, you send them that one picture. Yeah. They throw it up on their Facebook page. There's you know potentially a couple hundred people that see your name on right. that picture. Of course, that didn't know who you were in the first place. You know how many bands actually hire me, and then I say, you know, do you want them with or without my logo? Why the fuck would I want them without your logo? Yeah. They're like, that's, uh, it's your brand. That's yeah. what we want. Oh, yeah. That's I always give you credit. I'm like, oh. you know. I've even yelled at my cool. own band members because we'll take, we'll get pictures from you and then they'll put it on Facebook or something and like, and it, like half of your logo gets like cropped out when they do the picture. I'm like, you're going to take that down and you're going to re-upload <laughs> it and you're going to leave Jeff's name on the bottom yeah. of it. So I think that's cool too that, you know, when bands kind of respect that, oh, that yeah. that's cool. That's like, know? that's, that's. That's your thing, man. Yeah. You know, personal photo shoots is different if I do a promo shoot. I just did one with a cool band up north. Um, some of the guys are from the band Gathering After Ashes. Okay. And um, they formed a new project called Mad World. 
and they, they hired me. They said, Jeff, we want you to do the photo shoot. We went up north. They rented a, a studio up north in Union, and I did the whole shoot for them in the studio. And it was great, and it was awesome. And I, like, I thanked them to death you know, for, for reaching out to me. You know, I haven't seen them in years. You know? That's great. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. But again, that's that. It's that that relationship you build with the people that makes it what it is. Yeah. It, you're not just a photographer. Yeah, and I kind of want. I like that. Like you had mentioned before, like I want to feel like I'm part of the show. Mm-hmm. That's important to me. I don't want, like I said, I don't want people to just look at me as a photographer. I want somebody. I want people to realize that I'm a human being and I'm at a place that I enjoy being at. So when I'm in the photo pit and fans are yelling my name, that's awesome. Yeah, no, like, that is. Yeah, Jeff's here. Yeah, take out a picture. You yeah. know, I have those people in the front row, like just take my picture. You know, so I that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. wow, absolutely. I mean, 100%. you don't hear that very often. Yeah, you know, like you I really said, don't. It's, it goes back to like I said when I was younger, music had a real community, right? And, and that's kind of. Went yeah, to the wayside over the yeah. years, but you could still find like with you. There's there's still pockets where everybody's you know you're not just like you know a band that played together. You're friends. You could sit yep. down. You could talk. You know you could have a beer with somebody. You know yep. anybody anything. You know it's more than just show up, do your thing, and you're out. Yeah. No. And I listen. I I'm a very personable person anyway. So it's like you know there's been times I think the Saint we had a modern English, right? And they were, uh, <laughs> I love them. I've never saw them live before that. And um, they just pulled up in their like Mercedes Benz tour van, oh and um, you know we're at the Saint on Main Street, right? Yeah. And so they didn't know where to eat. So right next door is that place, Marks, the Jamaican place. Mm. Um, and I'm sitting there hanging out with them, just eating Jamaican food. Oh, that's you know, cool. and it was so cool. They're like the funniest guys in the world. They're ranking on each other, and they're like you know sixty something year old men. Wow. You know, and so that was really cool. But I I get along with everybody. Like there's never an issue there. I don't care if you're a young band or old band i don't have a problem with anybody i always get along with people that's great that's that uh, there needs to be more of that (laughs) there needs to be a lot more of that (laughs) a lot a lot a lot more (laughs) (laughs) right all right well i guess we'll, we'll wrap up with this one with this one question if you could change one thing about the music scene what would it be and why so Especially recently with the whole COVID thing, I'm noticing that a lot of musicians are starting to have those conversations about value in terms of who has the upper hand, the bands or the venues. Uh, that, that's, the, right. that's what's circle, circling around right now, especially with the local musicians, what their value is. Now, the answer to that is depends on the band. And they, they all said, you know, you know, some bands don't like the pay to play thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a firm believer in earn your keep. Right. So whether it be paid to play or not, that's not my decision to make. But if you're a band and you want to play a certain venue and you go up to that promoter and you say, we don't sell tickets, I would tell you to go fuck off because you have to earn your keep. Show me what you can do. Show me what you could bring. And if you do the right thing, then we could talk. I don't have a problem with that. Earn your keep. Mm-hmm. And if you think you're, you have a value, you have every right to think that. See, but they also they go back to that value question. A lot of the problem that people have with pay to play is, we've talked about this on previous episodes, you'll walk up to a promoter and hand him, you know, just $3,000 worth of ticket sales and you'll get like 
250 bucks. Right, but back. that's between you and the promoter. But, so, that, but that mean, goes back. What's your if value? It's a, if it's a promoter that's not doing the right thing, then that's a promoter I wouldn't work with again. You know, but we all know that certain mm. bands want to that- play certain places or certain shows, so they're willing to give that up to do that. Yeah. Listen, I've been around bands where the parents of the bands buy the show. Yeah. As uh-huh. a local band, the parents will contact the promoter and say, listen, we're going to buy 50 tickets. So we're going to guarantee you 50 people, but we're not bringing anybody. Yeah. But they're going to buy the 50 tickets so that their kids could play that show because they like that band. Mm. So that's an interesting I've concept that of the value is when this all clears up, do those venues that are pay to play, right. do they start valuing the local right. acts a little more and start giving them more of a fair share instead of cutting them right. off the cutting them off We don't the know the answer to that question because yeah. the other side of it is no matter what anybody thinks just because it's a corporate venue they still lost money too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right? So who's going to be the one that's going to give or take? We don't know the answer to that question yeah. yet. It's, it's weird. It's, 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 it's a good thing to think about it. Is there going to be a happy medium right. or is it just going to continue on the Right. You know, we all the same know path. We all know there's plenty of bands that are willing to play for free because they just want to play. And I remember somebody told me this. They said from day one, if you don't establish value, you'll never get value. And what that meant to me was, how many times have you seen a local band on a stage play a show and they have let's say, demo CDs, and they just throw them out to the crowd. Take, ah, we don't want money for them. Just take them. We just want you to listen to our music. That's cool. That's very 70s. But 90% of the people that are taking that CD, it's probably going to be left there. And somebody told True. me, they said, even if, you're, even if you want to give away stickers, put a price tag on it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a dollar, put a price tag yeah, on we it. So that, so that, we if you want to that give, one. If you want to give those stickers away with somebody buying a CD, mm-hmm. at least in their minds, they know there's a value to it. That's true. I mean, there there is something for that. The other part is, and this is coming from a musician standpoint, or, okay, an old musician standpoint, getting beaten down so many times over and getting back up and doing it again and getting back up. What is going to happen now? Like, can I, at my age, get back up again? Right. I don't know. I don't have that answer. It's not an easy... The younger bands, they can... And you're right, they got to sell something or at least a CD and get the free sticker or a T-shirt, get a free sticker if you want promotion. But people aren't buying music. Right. They really aren't. Well, They'll t- go buy maybe a song off iTunes or but, stream or it. pay for the subscription to Apple the, Music. The reason yeah. why that is, there's one reason why everything is the way it is. And it's nobody's fault. The only thing that controls how that all works is technology. Well, we've okay. all been saying that. Yeah, and, way too much and, access and to And the it. only people that are successful are the people that adapt. Yeah. And you have to learn how to adapt to whatever is out there at that present time. And it, it, whether it be marketing, mm-hmm. because yes, people are spending money. People are buying stuff, but they're only buying it when at that time comes where they feel like they're getting something of value, right? So 
I'm a I'm not a record collector, mm-hmm. but I have about four thousand pieces of vinyl. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that I've purchased over the years from the early '80s on. Okay. Now most of my records are from back in the day where you'd go to JNR Music World in New York City, mm-hmm. and my wife would buy me the entire top forty that's hanging on the wall, the twelve inch singles. Okay. That were two dollars and ninety nine cents each, mm-hmm. and I'd buy the top forty every month. And that's how I started to build my collection. Um, and then I would go to thrift shops, and I'd buy a crate of records that they'd say, "Give me ten bucks." Oh, okay. But yeah. because of technology today and things like eBay, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Because now, as things come into thrift shops, people are looking up online what their value is. Yeah. So you can't do that anymore. Yeah. That and you could also get that same song. Now it might not be on a record, so I understand that. But you could get the same song for ninety nine cents, right? And well, that's the only song you want. Not even now. Right. Yeah. So, so most people have an iPhone. Changed that. Yeah. Okay, well, they say. I mean, it, it's changed it for the bands. I mean, coming from a studio background, the computer fixes a lot of things of where the band really should be doing it themselves. Right. And I think that quality. To go with your value, right. the quality is not matching the value that they're putting True. on. True, I agree. So, I mean, it's... There's got to be work and ethics. See, when I first came into COVID, I'm like, okay, I've been saying it for about a year and a half before. Man, this scene, this business, not, not just scene, this business needs a master reset. Oh, this might happen. No, I think it's, it's going to go the opposite way. It's going to make things worse. People... And you're right, bands should know their value. Um, they're not getting any better. And they're not going to put out the same amount of stuff or quality of their stuff to make a turnover to get those better gigs, to sell that better well, merch. I, I've seen bands continuously play the same venues, mm-hmm. continuously work with the same promoters, and always tell them, oh, get me on this show, get me on this yeah. show. And the promoter would say... You bring people, I'll get you on the show. I know. And you know what'll happen? That band comes and can't sell 30 tickets. Yeah. So do you think a promoter should put that band on a big show? No. I mean, from a business aspect, no. I think we had this conversation. It's like if you had nothing but good bands with leniency, but know that they're going to be able to grab people to bring back again right it's a future it's the long con well i don't have a problem know. with the concept of give a little take a little oh i don't right? either so, hey this show i, could, I don't this think show the promoters I could, are... this show i could bring a lot of people but i don't think i could the next one mm-hmm. based on whatever yeah right but that that's if you have a reputation a good reputation I, with a promoter a promoter will normally say okay cool but just yeah, they had an off night right yeah. exactly yeah. you yeah. know that we know that happens yeah. I mean, yes. that's the truth it's but not, there's also some venues you could go you could play three shows for them kill it every time sell a good amount of tickets you have one bad show right. and they never answer the phone again right. i know but again it's every, just it's the yeah. thing it's like it's definitely it's the yin to the yang. Yeah. And, it, you know, some bands have the heart of gold and will try and do their best. And some places, that's not enough. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. and that's sad. And that's the way it is. But maybe after this, you're right, it'll change. I think it's going to get worse. And Before then, it gets better. And then it's got to build itself yeah. back we'll Also remember, when something like this happens, although we've never seen anything like yeah. this, but from past experiences... Mm-hmm. There's a big, big, big trickle down effect. 
Yeah. So the effects that we're seeing right now are not truly the effects of this. No, it's it's two years yeah. from now yes. that you're going to see the repercussions of this. Yeah. Even three or four years down the well, line. To tack on to that, we've talked about this on a couple of podcasts already. Not so much the big guys because, you know, the corporate-owned places and they'll be right. fine. Right. How many small venues do you think aren't going to open back up again? Well, a lot. Um, but here's the other side of that. And I hate to say this. It's not to be cold. If you look in most of those places, like not all bright, of them. The Brighton already fell. Not all that's, of them, that's the but first most of them. Yeah. The truth of the matter is they weren't making money yeah. to begin yeah. with. Yep. So when something like this happens, <laughs> the nail in the there's always somebody there that either owns the bigger stake in it that says, now's the time to Cash do something chips, different. Yeah. Right. So you can't technically like, and the other part of that is, you know, when all those places that are closing, it's also an opportunity for new places to come in. Yes. Yep. And it's also an opportunity for new people to Let come the fresh and be blood come in and, and that are more passionate, it. maybe. Yep. That are maybe more geared towards, you know, hey, you know, I, I'm young, I'm eager, I'm a hustler. You know, that's what happened to me. Yeah. You know, I was out there hustling my ass off. And when that time came and the person before me was that was doing what I'm doing stepped down, Stone Pony called me up and said, it's your turn. That's awesome. You were the guy out there you hustling paid, you paid his your dues. Yeah, yeah. And you're it. And I said, I, really? He says, yeah, you're the official photographer of the Stone Pony. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but yeah. that's a true story. And that's yeah. kind of, you yeah. know, the way it should. Yeah. And, and you, you know, fucking earned it. Yeah. So, and, and, and no, and no I, one could take that no, away I from you. And no, I wasn't a young kid. I was yeah. already fucking, <laughs> no, no one I was already in my 40s. You. You know, Damn it, I got to go to work the next day. But, uh. But how cool was that? You know, when I I remember when you know I remember the first time I had a picture published in in a, in a magazine, which mm-hmm. was through Amp Magazine, oh, yeah, their sister magazine, Hales and Horns, and they put a picture of that I took of Jesse from from Kill Switch Engage. Oh, okay, and I remember when I came to the house. I ran around my house like a little six-year-old kid showing my wife, my kids. Look, look, look. And they're like, you're an idiot. Like, you're an idiot. Like, you just don't get it. Yeah. You know, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't really think anybody knows the answer. You know, no, we got to wait and see. You know, it's it's one of those things. But that's, I mean, that goes but, back But every to... band or, or musician or artist has to, they have to find their own path. They have to figure it out. And yeah. it's not the same for everybody. Nah. You know, you can't just group everybody together. I I mean, a 20 something year old, they should still work towards it. I don't see, you know. Yeah, I I would never tell anybody to give up on your dream. No, I wouldn't either. I I taught my daughter. So my daughter, who's now 20 years old, at 17 years old, came to us and said, Dad, I don't want to go to school. I'm an artist and I know I'm going to do something with my art. And I says, okay, we'll support you 100%. But guess what? You're not going to sit in the house and draw for eight hours a day. (laughs) So you're going to go out. You're going to get a local job that you could walk to so you don't have to spend money on traveling. It's not going to be your dream job, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but you're going to learn how to work with other people. You're going to learn how to keep to a schedule. You're going to learn how to earn a paycheck, not just DIY stuff. You're going to learn how to earn a paycheck and pay taxes. And, and understand that you want to be an artist, go for it. 
But you need to develop something first. You need to build something Gotta first. Got to have a base to start right. from, yes. And she understood that. And she went out from 16 years old and worked a bunch of jobs without stoppage. And by the time she was 19 years old, she was already a tattoo apprentice. And at 20 years old, she's now already been a professional tattoo artist for almost a year. Wow. Making more money than me and my wife make. Oh, that's great. Good for her. That's a, her. a good story, you know. You know? So lucky. She, she's able to do whatever she wants to do, you know, and at some point in the near future, she'll probably get her own place. And, you know, she's the one that's learning how to pay bills and learning how to be responsible and understanding how, how money works and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. And in the meantime, she could do anything she wants with her artwork, but she now developed the skill set and the way to that understand can provide for herself. Yeah. how to provide. Yeah. You know. That's awesome. I mean, you showed her the way with your work ethic, man. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's always going to be for me. I mean, I know it's not the norm today, but it is for me. Yeah. You know, it is for me. And I can't let... Don't change, man. I can't yeah, let what don't. other people do, you know, stop me from doing what I love to do. Oh, I said don't change. You know, so... Don't change. That's all I could say. <laughs> and now, a word from our sponsors. The all right, well, here on the Jersey Shore Musicians Podcast, we want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Stuck Up Sticker Company. It's my buddy, Ian. He's a great guy. You know, he plays him useless with me. Jeff's seen him a bunch of times. He's a, he's a great guy. He uh, He's the king of stickers, the self-proclaimed sticker Jesus. And uh, if you uh, mention the Jersey Shore Musicians Podcast to him, he will give you 10% off your first order. He, he could print stickers, banners, you name it. If, he, if you need it printed, he could do it for you. That's pretty nice of him to do 10% off. It is. It really is. It's actually is. pretty cool. You should take advantage of that. You can find him at uh, stuckupstickercompany.com. He's Stuck Up Sticker Company on, uh, on Instagram and Facebook. He's, uh, he's very accessible. Just shoot him an email or he'll get right back to you. And uh, Jeff, if you want to let everybody know where they can find you at. Yeah, you could just uh, go to Jeff Presby Rocks anywhere you want. And you'll find everything you need. Gotta love Google. Just put it in the Google. It'll, it'll find them. Three words. I, I want Jeff, Jeff Crespi Rock. That's all you need. You don't need a dot com. Just a Jeff Crespi Rock. You'll find you'll find a multitude of things. All right, well, uh, thanks for coming out, man. This it was, was great. a pleasure. You Thank are you. the last it. local hero. It was an honor to have you and Thank hear you. your stories. Thank you very much. All right, everybody, have a good night. Uh, we'll be back next Monday with our next episode.